Thank you for taking time to listen to this message from New Life United Methodist Church. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. We invite you to join us for worship each Saturday evening beginning at 5.30. New Life is located at 8301 Mitchell Road in McChesney Park, Illinois. For information on New Life or our ministries, go to findnewlifeumc.org. You can also send financial contributions to New Life UMC, P.O. Box 2034, Loves Park, Illinois, 61030. To honor copyright laws, some audio portions may have been removed. Again, thank you for listening. To transition our young people to their children's experience with Miss Whitney. And as we do, we will collect our offering for the work of the church. So if I ushers can help start collect the offering, uh, we will do that now. You'll see um, outside, uh, we'll bring it in here in the next couple weeks, but uh, outside in the coffee shop, uh, Chuck uh, was nice enough to make us a, a beautiful display for some of our new flyers and brochures that have some of the information of our church. And so there's a couple of those things I want to point out to you. Uh, there's a welcome brochure that kind of talks about our identity, who we are. Uh, there's a brochure specifically on formation groups. So we've talked about formation groups, what that looks like. Uh, small groups, two or three people getting together on a regular basis, kind of checking in with each other, um, let you know how that works. Uh, so that's right in that little brochure. You can take one of those and even start a, 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 a formation group right with that little brochure has the covenant, has the kind of daily order of what you do. There's also a servant's guide, and we're going to be talking about this here for the next few weeks. We're, we're at a good place now in our ministry to talk about what needs to be done to make this happen and to take on new people and also transition, uh, some of you wanting to transition to other things. So there is a servant's guide out there that kind of goes through what we need each uh, Saturday night what it takes, the kind of things, um, you know, needing help set up. Several of our setup crew um, have, have just had some surgery, uh, so aren't as good as setting up chairs as maybe they were a few weeks ago. Um, so, you know, some of those things we just need, and we need to get that in our head. Uh, so grab a servant's guide and look through that and see if there's anything that you feel called, hey, Saturday night, I can help out with that. If you are a person who kind of heads up one of those departments, whether it's setup, uh, hospitality, trying to remember each of them, audiovisual and communion. If you're a person that heads up one of those four groups uh, and the various things in each of those groups, um, kind of let me know so that I can have you to be the go-to person and I can say here on Saturday night, hey, if you're interested in being a communion steward um, or a communion server, you know, talk to Charlie and Joanne. Um, they can help you uh, learn how to do that, um, you know, get you hooked up with that. So um, uh, lots of opportunities. I don't think there's any any department here in terms of our ministry that we have uh, enough people helping. You know, there, there's places for everybody, no matter what you feel called to. So grab a servant's guide, read over those things, and say, yeah, I think I could do that, or yeah, I feel called to do that. And know there's a lot of other things that we could be doing together and uh, other things that we'll be um, introducing. Uh, just as I talked to Bob and uh, Tom mentioned earlier, uh, Jeremy and Tina Skinner, um, the missionaries who we are supporting, who are going to Indonesia for two years, uh, they do. They are looking at a date in June to go. 
Um, so they are, are raising money, and they've raised a good amount of their money already to go for two years. Uh, and they are having garage sales this weekend to sell basically everything they own. Um, so they are, they are selling everything, uh, and they are going to Indonesia for two years um, with their newly born daughter um, to be missionaries for our Lord Jesus Christ in Indonesia, a place that definitely needs it. So check them out. Um, do think about supporting their ministry. Uh, I, I mean, Jennifer and I have, you have, many of you have. Uh, it's just a wonderful opportunity to, to support somebody. Uh, and then right here in uh, you know our, our house, the Paper Angel Closet continues. We had, I want to say, six adults and two children uh, this week who received goods from our Paper Angel Closet. Uh, so wonderful to hear their stories, to get to know them, uh, to talk to them a little bit, to share some good news with them um, as they're experiencing some new things in their life. So Plenty of ways, there's a whole pamphlet on the Paper Angel Closet as well. Um, so plenty of ways to engage in the Paper Angel Closet, um, from donating goods to showing up when we give appointments to going in and just organizing if you're somebody who likes to do that. Um, talking about how to organize, we need some ideas for how we can um, spend some grant money to uh, reorganize some of that stuff. So plenty of ways to engage in ministry here. So let's have a word of prayer now. I think I've said enough. So we transition to our forming time. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to come together and worship. We ask that you send your spirit upon us now. That you allow us to truly hear your good news. To truly be impacted by what you have to tell us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Today we continue our series, Aha, talking about those moments when God reaches down and impacts us and everything in our life changes, Aha moments. And we've already talked about a little bit about Aha moments here for the last two weeks, and I'll talk a little bit about that, but I want to talk about alarms. That, that's what I'm doing right now, in case those of you joining us at home, Welcome through our podcast. Uh, I'm looking at my phone in case uh, you can't see me on the podcast. <clears throat> so you always got to think about that. They can't see what we're doing. It, it's funny with alarms because I've noticed this trend. You know, a lot of us use our phones now for alarms. I, for 30 some years, have, and I still own it, and I've actually used it in sermon illustrations before, I have a Sony wood panel digital alarm clock. Wood panel, you know it's fancy because it's wood panel. You, some of you are with me here. It is an antique, and, and it still works. God bless the Sony Corporation and their quality craftsmanship. Beautiful alarm clock. It uh, doesn't keep time very well anymore, but um, <laughs> this looks really nice. The alarm on that alarm clock is deafening. Like dogs three cities over could hear that alarm. So I can't use it anymore. Because if I use that alarm, the whole house would wake up, and that's an atrocity in our house. You don't want the littler people to wake up earlier than they have to. But I've noticed, so I use my phone, and I think a lot of you do too, and I've noticed something with, um, with these phone alarms, and I don't know if I can uh, uh, hold it up here to my microphone, but they're kind of, uh, they're kind of lame. Can you hear that? 
w would you wake up to any of these? Right? These these are right. Serious. That's like a lullaby. That's not even like an alarm. That's a snooze button. I mean, that's just a sound that oh, I can sleep more, right? And so you turn over and you hit the snooze button and you don't wake up. And it's like that with our relationship with God. God sounds alarms. When we go off into the distant country, when we are separated from God, when we are away from the Father's house, God is sounding alarms and we just hit the snooze button. Now in college, my roommate and I, for an entire year, an entire year, we had a, a CD that for the kids, that's a little metal disc we used to have that played music. Um, cool how that worked. I don't know, lasers or something. Um, but we had a CD alarm clock, so as soon as the... Um, as soon as it was 7, 8, 10, I, you know, whenever we woke up in college, it would play a CD. And this is the CD that was in that alarm clock for an entire year. So this is how I woke up every morning. That's a good alarm. Nothing like ACDC to get you going in the morning, right? I still have that on my phone, obviously. You never know when you're going to need a good alarm. He does, was he dancing? Yeah. He's going to be a performer. So when they have these alarms that ring and we just hit, we just hit the snooze button. So we're looking here at the prodigal son, the parable the story that Jesus tells, and, and this story kind of shows us what an aha moment is. And, and so I, I remind you that the story so far, the son who lived with his father and his brother who had everything, who was taken care of, went to his father and said, Dad, give me all of my inheritance. So his father did that. He split his estate into two and he gave his son half of his inheritance. His son sold that half and he went off to a distant country where he lived prodigally or wildly or frivolously. We don't know what he did. But he spent all of his money. He became bankrupt. He became broke and alone. And the minute that he thought it was at its worst, a famine hit. And so he finds himself here. When he had used up all his resources... A severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to eat his fill from what the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then the Bible says something very interesting. It says, he came to his senses. He woke up. The first part of aha, A-H-A, is awakening. You have to awaken. Awaken, honesty, action. The first part is waking up. And I wonder how many alarms sounded before that moment. That literally, that's a story of hitting rock bottom. He was broke. He was alone. He was away from home. He was living with pigs. And he was so hungry that he thought the pig slop looked pretty good and that was enough for him to finally wake up. 
right? That was enough for him to say, okay, hey, things need to change. But I wonder how many alarms happened earlier. How many times he heard that music and hit the snooze button. How many times, you know, when he went to his father and he said, Father, give me half of my inheritance. Was there something in his conscience that said, what am I doing? But he pressed the snooze button when he went off and he sold all of his stuff and he saw all of that money and he saw the the land and the livestock and the work that his father had done and, and he saw that in coin form. Was there something in his conscience that said, whoa, wait, what's going on? When he was off in the distant country, when he was partying, when people came in and out of his life, when people used him for his money, how many alarms sounded that said, come home, wake up, wake up. But he kept hitting the snooze. And we do that. We hear these alarms, but we keep hitting the snooze button. I told you when I was uh, a young man, I left my hometown and, and went off to college for a few years. Uh, not more than you would expect, but it only took me three months to kind of lose who I was as a person. Now, I had been practicing. I had been waiting for it for, I think, several years. I had been building up. I had been asking for my inheritance early. I had been waiting to sell it. But when I finally did, when I finally was able to go to that distant country, it only took three months to basically lose who I was as a child of God. To lose who I was as someone who was kind and someone who fought for justice and someone who thought of other people. To become someone who was distrusting, someone who was dishonest, someone who was selfish, self-centered. Only took three months. And it would take three years before I woke up, but there were alarms along the way that I missed. And I think sometimes we, especially if we believe that we're living in the Father's house, that we are connected, that we do know better, we need to be able to hear the alarm and wake up earlier than later. Three months into my experience, I had done all these things. I had been partying. I had completely kind of lost who I was. And I overheard a conversation of my next-door neighbor, literally a few feet away from where I was, talking about something that I enjoyed, a a hobby, an interest of mine. So I went over and I talked to them. And I think that would have led to an alarm, but I just I kind of ignored it. I I at least went over and talked to them and started that positive relationship and that person would become my best friend to this day. And they introduced me to a a group of people that wasn't concerned with the partying and, you know, uh, that kind of lifestyle that was concerned about fellowship and other things and in the course of my college life, there was kind of a, a trial period where we only took one course at a time. And so if you were an underclassman, you didn't get always the classes you signed up for. So there was a bidding war during the year to get classes that you wanted. So you would bid a number of points, and the freshman had the least number of points. So halfway through the year, the freshman had to go to like this, uh, this festival to see which classes they could get in place of the ones they signed up for. And what do you know it about, this is halfway through my freshman year, I had this group of friends, this friend and a couple other friends said to me, come take this uh, class of mysticism, a a senior level religion course. Mysticism, East and West. Come take this course with us. And then I had a friend who was a senior, happened to be a United Methodist, a a good friend to this day, came and said, so here's a senior, and and for the last course of the year, the last course of his education at Cornell, he said, uh, 
come and take intro to religion with me. And I said, yes, you know, you're young, you want to take classes with your friends. And those two classes should have been alarms for me. So I enjoyed them so much and I started to understand I, I, that whole experience of that class of mysticism and then that whole experience of that class of introduction to religion. It helped me remember where I had been. And if you're going to wake up, there's a few things that you have to experience. And the first is you have to remember where you were. The son in the story of the prodigal son says it like this. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? But I'm starving to death. He remembered where he came from. He remembered his father's house was a good place. He remembered even the servants in his father's house had plenty of food. So that helped him wake up. I took that mysticism class and loved it. I took that introduction and I, I ended that year with introduction to religion and I loved it. And, and I started to remember why I loved religion, why I loved faith. And then I went home and of course I had a good summer at home at my home church and I started to remember all those things where I had come from, but I still didn't wake up because it takes more than that. You can't just remember where you have been. Because there's this thing that happens when you're in the distant country. Some people may say uh, this is something that Satan does, but as I was thinking about my own story, you know, Satan is a Hebrew word, right? And it means adversary. And for me personally, we're going to talk about demons and and all that in in October, so I won't get into that right now, but I had been making everyone an adversary. And so Satan was everybody else, and even me, because I, I didn't trust myself, I didn't trust anybody else. So everyone was an adversary in my mind. And so what happens when everyone is an adversary, what happens when you're struggling with yourself and your identity is you start to realize or you start to convince yourself that life in the distant country, that life in the pig slop is not that bad. You start to convince yourself that it's not as bad as you think it is. Or you start to convince yourself that, oh, life back home wasn't as good as it really was. And I think that's what happened to me. I I didn't, for, for a while, I didn't accept that that life was any better than the life that I was living. And, and, and I, I used kind of that adversarial tactics against the church that I was worshiping in, in Mount Vernon in uh, Iowa. I, I kind of said, well, they're, you know, you know, they're not reaching out to me. They're not uh, including me. They're not uh, filling me. And, and they, they, you know, all this different kinds of stuff. And so I said, you know, they're no different. Life back home wasn't any different than anything else. And I took a trip my second year of college. I took a trip to Europe and I I went to all of these beautiful churches and played. I toured Europe um, with my orchestra and I played with all of these beautiful, uh, in all these beautiful cathedrals. And and I I felt there was this great emptiness. And so I kind of used that to fuel this understanding of, well, life here isn't any better than where I was or life in the distant country is is just the same as anything else. And so you have to realize that where you are in the distant country is not a good place. That's what the son does here in the story, right? He says, 
when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? That's the first part. That's remembering where he came from. And then he says something very important, but I'm here starving. He could have said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but you know, I'm sure I'll come out of it. You know, I'm sure if I wait, I'll get some help. I'm sure that things will turn around. You know, I'm sure if I can make a little bit more and gamble it away, I'm sure that if I can just get one more hit, one more high, I'm sure that if I can just convince one more person to help me, that it will be okay. And I did that for quite some time. The sun does it real quick. It's a story. It has to be quick, right? You have to get it all done real quick. But for so many of us, it takes so much time because you can remember how good life was back home, but you also have to remember or realize how bad life is where you are. How far you've fallen. And you don't necessarily have to hit rock bottom to get there, but you have to realize that either you're there or you're headed there. And the son realizes he is hit rock bottom. He realizes that that's the end of his line. But there has to be something else. So when we hear that alarm, when, when we hear God trying to wake us up, we have to remember where we came from, which is God's house, which is our life with God. We have to realize where we are, the distant country. We have to realize our suffering. We have to realize our mistakes. But then, there has to be another component. And we have to remember what life could be. Where we could be. The son says it like this in the story, I will get up and I will go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me in as one of your hired hands. So he went up. And he goes to his father. And that's the whole progression of awakening. It would take me three years. It took three months to screw my life up. Right? It took three months to go from a pretty decent person to a mess of a human being. And I lied to myself and I lied to other people and I surrounded myself with walls. And I heard that alarm and I kept pressing snooze. And three years later... I finally woke up. And I'll tell you, the moment that I woke up was the moment that these three things I've been talking about coincide. The moment when I understood where I had been, where I was, and where I was going, the moment that those three things synced, I finally woke up. I finally said, I'm going home. Finally said, it's enough, enough. Now, now that's not the end of the story that you have to get through the other two aspects of aha, Right? You can't just awaken. You have to get, be honest and you, you have to take action. But in terms of awakening, I think there's this moment of understanding past, present, and future. And I think that's important because when God comes into our lives, God lives outside of that stuff. God lives outside of time. God is not bound to our understanding of time. So when you experience a moment of understanding your past, present, and future you are experiencing a moment with God. You are experiencing an aha moment. And that's what it takes. That's what it looks like to awaken, to understand where you've been, where you are, and where you are going. That's an aha moment. 
Now, you can still hear that alarm and not do anything about it, right? You can get any of those parts and not do anything about it. You can keep hitting snooze. The louder it rings, it can be the deafening, most annoying sound in the world. And you can still hit snooze. But the first step is waking up. And I want to say this. Here's some good news about this. In our life sometimes, we let go of where we were. Now, if I had burned all my bridges and if I had done something to make myself not welcome at my home, my, my actual home, I couldn't go back there. Or if I had gone away and, and just been awful and my family had died or, or gone away, maybe I couldn't go back to my actual home. So I, I think of Tina and Jeremy who are selling all of the, you know, they, they uh, are leaving their, where they live now and they're selling all their stuff and uh, they're, going, they're leaving. There's going to be nowhere to go back home, right? Uh, they, they're very committed to this. And sometimes when we hurt other people, sometimes when we go into the distant country, we lose our family, our friends, our jobs, everything. Some of you have experienced that. And so you can't go back home to that home, that life that you had. But the good news, because that's not good, the good news is God's home, the Father's house, is dependent on you. It existed before you were born. It will exist after you die. And so you can always go home to God because God's home and its foundation is not dependent on your actions or your personality or anything else. So the good news in this story is even if you have trouble waking up like some of us, even if you are struggling right now, even if you think there's no home for you to go to, there's always a home in your Father's house. There's always a room. Jesus says, I will come and I will take you there. Myself in my Father's house, there are many rooms. But first you have to wake up. Next week we'll look at honesty because it's not just good enough to be awake. <laughs> I heard on uh, the radio a couple, I, you know, I listen to WGN because I'm old, I guess. And uh, drink coffee and drive a minivan and listen to AM radio, 150 years old. And uh, there's uh, Orion Samuelson, who uh, is the uh, uh, finance guy and uh, the agriculture guy on WGN, talks about this thing that, you know, how does he wake up? So, you know, he's 80 some years old. How does he wake up at, you know, four, three o'clock every morning to do the the morning, you know, reports and everything else? And. He says, well, you have, to do two, you have to do one of two things. You can either wake up, plant your feet on the ground and say, good morning, God. Or you can wake up and say, God, or good God, morning. Uh, that didn't work at all, did it? I mean, I completely biffed that. But completely biffed that. Well, that's how it goes. Let's have a word of prayer as we transition now. to our forwarding time. Lord, we thank You for these alarms that You place in our lives, for the opportunities that You give us to wake up from the distant country, wake up from the nightmare of self-centeredness, greed, pride, addiction, suffering, sorrow, hopelessness, loss. 
pain. We ask that you help us hear this alarm, that you break through our time and our space, that you allow us to wake up. Open your doors. We know you are home and you are waiting. Allow us honesty and action. Allow us to experience aha. We pray for all of those who are suffering, those who are lost and alone, those who need your love. We ask that you encourage us, propel us, allow us to transform others as we too are transforming into people of new life. Allow us to share your love in a world where love is sparse, in a world where love is fleeting. Your love, which is everlasting, which is eternal, allow it to flow through us and to all those we meet. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. I encourage you as we uh, transition now to our time of celebrating the Lord's Supper that we join together in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to use the traditional language again for a couple weeks at least. Prayer that Jesus taught us, a good prayer to pray with uh, your family, pray in your formation groups and small groups, pray in your own life. Also a good prayer to teach us how to pray, which was Jesus' intention. So the words will be on the screen. Pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we begin our time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, we also begin with the time of confession. We believe that we need to ask God for forgiveness and as a way to hear those alarms, as a way to remind us and help us not move into the distant country to be able to confess where we have messed up, confess where we have moved astray, where we have hurt ourselves and others. Uh, we do that in an act of confession. I will say the pastor stuff and you'll say the congregation stuff and we'll go from there. Recognizing that we all sin and are at the mercy of God, we take this time to confess our sins and be assured of the forgiveness that is available to us all through Christ Jesus. God of unconditional love, you offer us everything, yet we long for the distant country and leave the comfort of your home. Forgive us for all we have thought, done, and said. Forgive what we have failed to do or say. Renew us to new life in your kingdom. Hear this good news. God breaks through our sins so we can experience aha moments and return home. In the name of Jesus the Christ, you are forgiven. Here at New Life, we experience the Lord's Supper every week. We believe it is a sacrament, something Jesus taught us to do, encouraged us to do, and something that when we are present, God is also present. We got a fancy new cup today, so special. I like that. It is. It's nice. I like that. We believe a few things. First of all, that this is an open table, that you are welcome here, regardless of your faith tradition. As long as you want a relationship with Jesus Christ and with one another, you are welcome at this table to affirm 
the inclusive nature of this table, we use grape juice instead of wine, and we use gluten-free bread uh, for all of us. We also believe a couple of things here about this time. First, that it's Thanksgiving. When we gather around this table, we give thanks to God who created the heavens and the earth, who created you and me, and who wants to have a relationship with each person here tonight. Secondly, is it is communion. And I was thinking today, I heard on the WGN, I listened to the radio in the car, obviously, and uh, I, I tried not to mess this up. Uh, but they were talking about what makes you cry, right? What makes you cry. So people were calling in and telling them the things that make them cry. And there, there's a commercial that makes me cry every time I see it. I can barely talk about it because it just, it's just mm, makes me cry so bad. And it's not like the only commercial that makes me cry. There's a lot of things that make me cry. But uh, this commercial, it's a Cheerios commercial, and it's been on for a while. And this little boy and his mom are sitting at the table eating Cheerios, and he says, Mom, did Nana give you Cheerios when you were growing up? She says, yeah. And so he says, well, when we eat Cheerios, it's like Nana's here with us. Because she's dead. Yeah, got it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and there's, and then, you know, I'm trying to watch the sports, right? Where's Whitney? She's not in here. And, you know, I'm crying and everything else. But I, I realize that is, that's, that's theology, actually. That's good theology. That's actually sacramental theology because we believe that this is a time of communion. So that when we are experiencing the Lord's Supper, we're not just experiencing it with those people here. We're experiencing it with Nana, right? With all of those who have experienced it, with all those around the world who are experiencing it, and with all of those who will experience it. Because as we talked about today in our teaching, God lives outside time. God is Lord of past, present, and future. So this is not just a feast with those gathered here. This is a feast with all of those who have ever taken, who have ever been connected, who have ever said, Jesus Christ is Lord. We also believe that this is a remembrance. By that I mean specifically that we remember that when Jesus was betrayed the night before, He took bread like this and he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body it's broken for you do this in remembrance of me after the meal he took a cup like this and he gave thanks to God and giving it to his disciples he said drink from this all of you this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins do this as often as you meet in remembrance of me we also remember that this is a sacrifice. It's uncomfortable, but it is. It is a representation of the sacrifice Jesus Christ made for us on the cross. And therefore, we remember the mystery of our faith. I'll say a line and you repeat it. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We also believe this is a means of grace. And by that, I mean it is a time and a place where we can experience God's grace in our lives. So we pray this prayer. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon all those gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Truly make them be for us your body that we may be your body, the church, redeemed by your blood for this world and the next. And finally, this is an eschatological moment. Which is, this is a moment that reminds us 
of what life will be like when Jesus Christ comes again and we feast at His heavenly banquet. So as we begin our time of communion, we transition, I remind you, take a, or receive a piece of bread, open your hands, receive a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, wait for your ushers to um, let you go and allow the band to come first as they prepare. And I remind you that this is Christ's body. Broken for you, that you may be Christ's body of the church. And this is Christ's blood. Shed for you, so that you may be forgiven and have new life. Will the servers come forward?